Also, Paysec at BarnBurner.ca, our twice-daily podcast is entitled Fired Up, now on iHeartRadio, also on 65 platforms. Welcome to another edition of the NFL Blitz, the Week 6 Recap with the Brad Shepard in North Carolina and the Hall of Famer Steve Carney of WDAE Radio in Tampa Bay, Florida. We're first going to start off with the Brad Shepard, Carolina into Washington. Did you know Cam Newton never lost to Washington before Sunday? And what happened Sunday, the Brad Shepard? Well, they lost, but, you know, Carolina is a team that's not primarily designed to come back from behind, especially big leads. You know, they're really built to establish leads and play a little more conservatively and maintain leads. And uh, Washington got off to a hot start. Alex Smith was efficient. And Carolina's defense, just frankly, in the very beginning, looked uh, like they were out to lunch or something. I mean, it was just terrible. And uh, they definitely picked it up a lot in the second half. It wasn't enough. You know, they had another chance here. Second week in a row, they had a chance at the very end of the game. Uh, Cam Newton had a chance to, uh, to win it for the Panthers. I thought they executed really poorly last week, and they were still able to win. Uh, but this was not the case this week. You know, they got their final set of downs. They're in Redskins territory. Uh, touchdown would have won it, but, man, Cam Newton had three straight terrible passes that were not close. Uh, and that was the end of the of the ball game. I mean, you know, uh, and they had some turnovers as well. So you're just not going to win when you can't execute and when you turn the ball over. All right, Steve. Uh, by the way, Washington won 23-17. Steve, go ahead. Steve, go ahead. All right, Steve's at, at the buffet or something like that. So uh, we'll uh, – No, it helps, it helps if I if I don't uh, accidentally mute my – mute my phone uh, <laughs> for, come for on me, steve uh, yeah exactly uh so for me uh the problem that i see with carolina uh, and brad pointed out that they are not very good at uh, at playing from behind they don't have uh, a good way of uh, of being able to make up uh ground when they do fall behind and it's because their passing game has basically Fallen to the depths of nothing, uh, you know. Without Greg Olson and, and uh, Devin Funches is their number one wide receiver, and Devin Funches is probably a very good. Uh, well, I shouldn't even say a very good. I, I'd say an adequate number two, or or probably a, a slot receiver guy on most teams. And you're using him as your number one and and your main target. Uh, you find yourself in big trouble when you when you're not able to keep pace with other teams, and they weren't able to do so today against Washington. All right, first, uh, we'll start off with uh, Steve in the next uh, game here. Happened in Wembley Stadium, London, England. Why? Seattle, Oakland, two Western teams going to London, England. Seattle made Oakland think, why did you make the trip? Seattle 27-3. Steve, go ahead. Well, you make that trip because you're John Gruden and you're going, I got a 10-year, $100 million contract from the Davis family. I don't care how many games I lose this year. I don't give a crap if I lose all 16 games this year, even though I can't really lose all 16 games because we beat the Cleveland Browns. But I can go 1-15 this year, man, and I can go 1-15 next year, and I'm going to move into that big, beautiful stadium in Clark County, Nevada, 
and I'm, then I can start focusing on winning. But right now, I don't care. Send me to Lindsey Stadium all you want, man. Thank you, John Carney. By, right. by the way, that is the worst John Gruden impression known to man, just so everybody realizes. I know. I understand. Wait, well, hold on. That, that was, I thought that was John Gruden. Come on. All right, Brad. Go ahead. Well, like John Carlo. Yeah, for me, you know, this it's always tough to be a home team playing in London, right? Because it's not really a home game, but you know, it's just the Raiders are so bad and they get rid of Khalil Mack and you kind of really wonder what John Gruden's doing. They seem to be in rebuild mode completely. They're shopping former first round picks, Amari Cooper and Carl Joseph. Uh so they're basically cleaning house and starting from scratch and it shows the team is just terrible. Derek Carr, he only had 142 passing yards, no touchdowns. Uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch had 45 rushing yards. Just a really quiet day for the Raiders on offense, and their defense was atrocious. They had no pass rush. Seattle don't know why. Uh, but, yeah, the Raiders are just a terrible team, and uh, Seattle is just simply – they're not great, but they're a better team than the Raiders. The New York Jets, 42. Indianapolis Colts, 34. Steve. 42 points for the New York Jets? Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to think that. And, you know, 21 of it came from uh, from Jason Myers. So there you go. Uh, so half of their half of their scoring came from their field goal kicker. So uh, while 42 points does sound impressive, uh, they weren't able to find themselves in the, touch, uh, in the end zone uh, enough. They only had two touchdowns on offense, and then they were able to get one uh, on defense as well. So uh, while uh, the Jets are three and three, not all is right with Gang Green and Meadowland. All right, Brad. Uh, yeah, I mean, what can you really say about this game? The the Jets uh, played really well, and the Colts are just not very good. Uh, you know, they they can definitely put up some points, but at the end, uh, I mean, what you see is a lot of turnover still from Andrew Luck. And they're just simply not going to reach that next level until they can be a little more consistent on defense uh, and also uh, stop the turnovers. Steve, you start us off with Minnesota 27-17 win over Arizona. Yeah, this this is uh, probably the most expected outcome uh, of the weekend, uh, at least of the early games. Uh, I certainly thought that uh, Minnesota would win this game at least by a touchdown, even though uh, you know, I, and probably, you know, 10 points uh, is, is a lot to give up uh, if, uh, if you're in Las Vegas in the NFL. But uh, I would say that you probably got a lot of people laying nine and a half in this game and, uh, and finding themselves sweating it out at the end. But they were able to get that 10-point victory and hopefully were able to clean up at, at, the, uh, at the paid window, as they like to say. All right, Brad. Yeah, I would, um, you know, I would tend to agree. I mean, uh, what else can you say? It's, I, I guess the most part, exciting part of the game for me was the Kirk Cousins touchdown dance, which was maybe <laughs> the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. <laughs> All right, Brad, you start us off with an overtime, another overtime game in the National Football League. Miami, without their number one quarterback, beating Chicago in overtime 31-28. Well, who needs Ryan Tannehill, right? 
Uh, not when you've got the sensational Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. Um, he just needed Paul Heyman introducing him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was just a weird game because, you know, I, I did expect the Bears to win, but at the same time, you know, they totally blew the game. What can you say? Uh, the Dolphins just had a lot of dumb luck. I think, you know, Frank Gore was a key component to that. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, the Bears had the chance. Uh, the Dolphins fumbled the ball in the red zone. They got the ball back. They just they just blew it. So, uh, you know, the Bears deserve to lose. But ultimately, at the end of the day, maybe this will silence all of the people who say the AFC East sucks. Brad, um, Steve, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, no, it's not going to silence all the people that say the AFC East is probably one of the weakest divisions in the NFL because you've got one right here, and I will continue to say this. I do agree with you completely, though, that the Bears frittered this one away. They played for the long field goal uh, late in overtime, and it comes back to bite them in the rear end. And by the way, how about 8,000-year-old Methuselah Frank Gore going for 100 yards on the ground for the Miami Dolphins today? That's incredible. All right, Steve. Start us off with uh, the Cleveland Browns are back down to earth, getting pounded by the Chargers 38-14. Yeah, uh, this is, this is a, a, a sweet dose of harsh reality, unfortunately, for Baker Mayfield and, and company. Uh, This just shows you that, you know, despite everything that we've seen from the Cleveland Browns, they are still the Cleveland Browns. And so uh, they're going to end up getting throttled uh, in certain games, especially uh, against guys that are probably going to end up going into that big Hall of Fame thing in Canton, Ohio, like Phillip Rivers. Not much of a surprise that uh, that they're going to – that they end up getting – basically very bashed in uh, at home. All right, Brad, what do you say? Well, I, I think Steve made a great point. I mean, the Browns have made some great improvements. I think they made the right move at quarterback with Baker Mayfield. They're an exciting team to watch, but at the end of the day, their team that I said at the very beginning of the season would be over four and a half games. Most people said under. I said over, but at the end of the day, they really are a team that's going to be less than 500 now. Now, they're going to continue to build, and they're going to continue to get better, but it's a process. In the meantime, they're going to have games like this, and it should be expected. The Chargers are simply just a better team. All right, Brad, you start us off with this next game. Pittsburgh, 28, Cincinnati, 21. They came back. They came back in the last second. And and what's going on with Le'Veon Bell? Is he going to report? Is he not going to report? He hasn't told Pittsburgh, or has he told Pittsburgh? Has he told the Buffalo Bills? Has he told the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What's the story? Well, there's a lot of speculation on when he would report. I heard week 10 initially. Um, I've heard week 7 most recently. But at the end of the day, does it really matter where he when he reports? I mean, with the way the Pittsburgh running game is going, do they even need him right now, especially for the money he would potentially cost if they had to re-sign him? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the Bengals, in my opinion, who've had a good defense so far, they choked, they blew this game. They had this game potentially. Uh, they let Pittsburgh drive down at the end. And then to me, the very questionable call, the all out blitz 
on the final play of the game where it, that allowed Antonio Brown to walk in untouched to the end zone. That was just very uh, puzzling to me. I didn't understand that one at all. All right, Steve. Yeah, this was uh, this is Bengals gonna bangle. I mean, we talked about the Cleveland Browns being the Cleveland Browns. Well, uh, this one was definitely uh, uh, frittered away by uh, by that Bengals defense. I mean, they had uh, a couple of opportunities uh, late in this game. You look at it, third and ten with with 30 seconds to go. All they have to do is hold the Steelers. And they give they give them a fresh set of downs thanks to a defensive penalty. And two plays later, uh, the the Steelers are in the end zone with a with an opportunity uh, for the two point conversion to uh, to make it a seven point game with ten seconds to play. Uh, this was basically you can put this one right on the the Cincinnati defense. All right, Steve, you start us off with your the next game because it's your team. Atlanta 34, Tampa 29. But let's start off with talking about, uh, I don't know what you want to say about Jameis Winston. 395 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, What are people saying about Jameis Winston today after that game? Well, I thought it was was a really good performance from Jameis. You mentioned the two interceptions. One of them came in the end zone. He was going for uh, one of those uh, jump ball passes. In the back of the end zone, he hits the uh, helmet of the defender, and instead of bouncing down and uh, giving the, the Buccaneers another chance at the end zone, it bounces up in the air, uh, and it's basically uh, a free-for-all with uh, with pool coming down with it in the end zone. Uh, they also had they also missed an extra point and a, a two-point conversion, which pro- which also so right there, there's ten points left on the field by the Buccaneers. Uh, but, you know, Jameis had a, a really good uh, performance today. Uh, a lot of people will ask what in the world happened on the final play of the game uh, from the 21-yard line, needing a touchdown for a win. They go, they call the quarterback draw with a lateral. It's kind of like a, a open lateral option uh, for the quarterback. And they almost pulled it off. Mike Evans, uh uh, his lateral that is Sean Jackson just went off Jackson's hands and went out of bounds because if he makes that catch, he's walking into the end zone. And we're talking about a Buccaneers win on maybe one of the craziest ways to finish a game in NFL history. All right, Brad. Well, to me, what stood out the biggest difference between Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston was the turnover battle. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston had the two interceptions. He also had two fumbles, by the way, which Tampa Bay did recover. Uh, the Falcons, when you look at Matt Ryan, he had no turnovers. So that's a big difference, especially in the five-point game. You know, for me, I think, you know, the Buccaneers are two and three. They're pretty much right where I thought they would be. Uh, and I think as we go forward and we've moved past the uh, fifth magic that, um, you know, that Houdini act died a long time ago. We're starting to get the real expectation of what Tampa Bay season is going to be like. All right. The next game, Joel, you take care of this. Buffalo going into Houston. Uh, I, I actually want you two guys to comment on this because I uh, I did a special segment with Renee Palka out of Buffalo talking about this game. Nathan Peterman 
Why is he in the NFL? He shouldn't be in the CFL. He shouldn't be in my daughter's grade six uh, football team. He shouldn't be in grade one football team. Again, Nathan Peterman costing my Buffalo Bills a victory. Steve Carney, what what do you have to say about Nathan Peterman? By the way, I think well, Nathan, uh, Nathan know, what, Peterman what, should be picked up by your team. Yeah, well, I, the only problem is, is you would throw him off your team, but he'd probably get intercepted. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, this is this is what happens, unfortunately, when when Josh Allen hurts his elbow, and uh, you know, the big question is, you know, is he going to be ready for Buffalo's next game? Uh, because if not, you're going to have another dose of Nathan Peterman, and he's going to be pretty. Let's put it that way. And, and let me ask you a question: that hit on. On Josh Allen, why wasn't there a flag? He two guys sandwiched him, and the other guy sandwiched him with his helmet on his elbow. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I certainly thought that it was uh, it was deserving of a penalty. I mean, they, they there's been a lot less uh, done to quarterbacks that has been flagged for roughing the passer. But uh, you know, once the once the calendar turned to October. It seems like the referees uh, decided they wanted to put their flags in their pockets uh, for some of these roughing the passer penalties. You saw a lot of them in September, but you haven't seen very many of them uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, unbelievable. Buffalo, next week they play in Indy. Hopefully uh, Josh Allen can play. Now let's get to the 4 o'clock games. First, let's start off. So, wait, 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 wait a minute, Joe. Now you did not ask my opinion on the Buffalo game. Because I don't want your opinion on the Buffalo game, but since you... Well, that's too bad. I'm going to give it anyway. That's why I'm here. So let me tell you something. What you've got is you've got drama in Buffalo because Kelvin Benjamin, who, you know, we talked about buffets. You know, he's been going to a few of those. Um, He reportedly tells Josh Allen no to practicing routes and warm-ups. So it's like, you know... There's, there's an obvious confidence situation with Kelvin Benjamin. We know the situation he had. He had no confidence in Cam Newton in Carolina, and we're seeing history repeat itself. And I thought the quarterback situation in Buffalo went from bad to worse with Josh Allen to Nathan Peterman. I mean, Peterman was 50% completion on his passes, 61 yards, two interceptions, and a touchdown. I mean, he was a total trash bag. Woo! Do you want to add anything? Oh, you can more? continue now. Do you want to add anything <laughs> more to to Nathan Peterman? Well, yeah, he oh, cost him the game, the very on, last play. Hold on, I'm serious here. Look, Steve, look at the ticker. Nathan Peterman has been picked up by the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let, let's get to the four o'clock games, Brad. Since you interrupted, you lost your turn to be first, Steve. Uh, Baltimore 21-0 over Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about a, a, a real dumpster fire. Uh, that is what is the Tennessee Titans offense here uh, in week six because they were just unbelievably awful. Uh, how about uh, Marcus Mariota going for just 117 yards through the air, but he was also sacked 11 Times. Let me say it again. Eleven times he was sacked today by the Ravens. Uh, by the Ravens defense, that is probably the best fantasy showing of a defensive team that I have seen in a long, long time. Uh, they only.
only had uh, uh, 106 yards uh, of total offense, and that is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, like I say, dumpster fire. Speaking about Barry Corbin, Brad Shepard, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, this was just, you know, Steve made some great points. There's not a lot more to say. I mean, Marcus Mariota was under pressure the entire time. You know, he only had 117 passing yards, no touchdowns. I mean, the Titans had no offense. I mean, you know, it's like they barely had 50 yards of rushing the entire game. Joe Flacco didn't even play great. It's not like the Ravens' offense was was even, you know, like overly phenomenal. The Titans are just like that bad. Is that all you're going to add there? Is that all? Let's talk about how Jacksonville a couple weeks ago beating New England, and people were saying, Jacksonville's the team to beat in the AFC. Jacksonville should go to the Super Bowl. Well, they go into La La Land, uh, Jerry's World, Dallas, with uh, Conor McGregor throwing passes. They needed, Blake Bortles should have been replaced. We talked about Nathan Perryman, but should have been replaced by Conor McGregor because Dallas, all over Jacksonville, 40, 40 to 7, Blake Bortles, 15 of 26 for uh, 149, one touchdown, one interception, and uh, Prescott, 17 of 27 for 183 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 106 yards running. Brad, start us off. Well, what I liked about this was the protection that the Cowboys offensive line gave Dak Prescott. I think that's been an issue throughout the season so far. So that was really good. But also, you look at Ezekiel Elliott. He's such a key to this team. When he gets going, when he gets a lot of touches, man, it makes a big difference. Because Dallas can. I mean, they have a pretty good defense uh, when they're all healthy. Ezekiel Elliott gets them started off. He had 24 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown, averaging 4.4 yards a carry. He opened up the passing game. He gave Dak what he needed. And, uh, you know, Jacksonville, another team that is not typically – uh, they're not typically built to come from behind. I mean, Blake Bortles, we saw the Blake Bortles we've seen a few other times this season where you, you wonder, is this guy on a different planet? I mean, he had 149 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, not a good game at all, and uh, the defense got exposed in a major, major way. I mean, this is the top defense in the league, and Dallas puts up 40. It was uh, really an unbelievable performance, but just an all-around team effort by the Cowboys. I mean, Dak only had 183 passing yards. It was just an all-around team performance, the passing, the rushing, the line. Uh, it was just a great team win for Dallas. All right, uh, Steve, what do you say? You're guaranteed to win games if you hold on to the football, and that is exactly what the, the Cowboys did in this game. I mean, you look at it. They had more first downs on the ground, 11, than Jacksonville had total for the entire game, 10. And how about the time of possession? Dallas, 38 minutes and 50 seconds, almost 39 minutes they held on to the football. Jacksonville just 21 minutes and 10 seconds. And you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott and his 106 yards, Brad talked about him getting the ball 24 times. That is exactly what you want to see uh, out of Ezekiel Elliott. 206 total yards on the ground for Dallas, only 65 for Jacksonville. If you don't have a running game to speak of, uh, and and you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you're having to rely on Blake Bortles and his arm, you're going to find yourself in a lot of these types of games. 
All right, uh, the final game of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Los Angeles Rams heading into Denver before the game. It was snowing like crazy in Denver, and we had a pretty good uh, game here. But let you talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Let's talk about Troy Gurley. 20, 28 rushes for 208 yards. 208 yards. Former Buffalo Bill Robert Woods, seven catches for 109 yards. Uh, Steve, what do you have to say about the Rams? They're 6-0. They beat Denver 23-20. Are the Rams right now the team to beat in the National Football League? Well, I've been saying that they've been the team to beat since week one. Uh, and, uh, and they're dirt, certainly uh, proving me right. And this is the sort of game of when you're from when you're based out of Southern California and you're going to Denver, Colorado, where it was 23 degrees and snowing before the game started. This is the sort of game that you're going to have to play. Uh, you've got to put keep the ball on the ground. You give the ball to Todd Gurley and you, uh, against a team that really struggles. Uh, against the running game uh, defensively, and you watch him carve them up, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, when you're getting seven yards uh, a touch from from your running back, you better keep feeding him the rock, or you're gonna you're gonna find yourself on the wrong end of this game. And that's exactly what they did, and they were able to pull it out to go to six and zero. All right. Well, uh, Jerry Goff was also sacked five times, but Brad. Uh, a good game, and what do you what do you say about the game, especially Troy Gurley? Yeah, Todd Gurley is just absolutely incredible. Uh, two hundred and eight yards uh, on the ground, two touchdowns, and I mean, there, there's probably nothing that he can't do, which is, you know, it's just incredible. Um, He's unstoppable. I mean, what can you say? They're still the team to beat. I still like them to go to the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, that defense, man, they, they're just such an all-around team that, you know, Goff, the quarterback, doesn't have to play great for them to win. And I think that's the key when you have an all-around team effort. I mean, you look at Goff's performance. He had, you know, 50% completion of his passes. That's terrible. You know, he had 201 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. So, he certainly didn't have a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but it didn't matter. Why? Uh, because all the other facets of the game are great. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the Rams next week against, uh, they play San Fran, but November 19th, how do you like to be that game in Mexico City, Kansas City, and the Rams? Now, uh, before we get we close it out, I got to get your take on Thursday night's game here because uh, I just want to say, especially Brad, Philadelphia beating the Giants 34-13. Eli Manning, you know, I don't know, like he won two Super Bowls, okay? But Eli Manning had a game, like, I guess a little bit better than Nathan Peterman. But come on, when is it time that you bench Eli Manning? Because you had a Shokan Barkley, 13 carries for 130 yards. That's 10 times, 10 yards a carry, Brad. Yeah, I think the time is now. His time is up. Somebody else's time is now. Uh, I, I just think Eli looks like a deer in headlights with the defensive line coming at him now. What you see is you saw the Giants with a really bad offensive line. They beefed it up a little bit. But what they actually found was, man, this offensive line is not nearly as good as we thought it would be after we tried to improve it. You know, they took um, you know, one of New England's guys and some others in 
they thought, you know, this was going to be a really ideal situation for pass protection. What they're actually finding out is, you know, Eli's holding onto the ball too long. He doesn't have a long time to throw. And he just looks scared out there. I mean, he looks done. I really do think it's time to make a quarterback change in New York. But at the same time, I also think the head coach is afraid to do that. All right, Steve, what do you say? Well, I, you certainly learned uh, this thir- this past Thursday that uh, the problems don't all rely on uh, Eric Flowers. Uh, after uh, after getting uh, cut uh, this past week, uh, I certainly think that uh, that he is not obviously not the problem. The problem is that uh, it, they have nothing uh, to protect Eli Manning, and yes. Uh, I, I like Saquon Barkley, and I think Brad is absolutely right. I think that uh, that Pat Shermer is not does not want to be the guy uh, after seeing what happened to uh, to Ben McAdoo uh, for benching uh, Eli Manning at the end of last year. Uh, you know, the, Eli Manning is a favorite of the Mara family and the Tish family, and, and I certainly think that uh, I think they're going to let him. Uh, go out on his own terms, at, almost to the detriment of, of the team's success, because right now they're finding themselves in big, big trouble. Uh, one side note, uh, the Sunday night affair, I told you, Brad, take the over. Now, um, next week, one game I'm looking forward to, and it probably is the game of the week, New Orleans into Baltimore. Uh, what do you guys say here? Uh, New Orleans into Baltimore, of course, that is a great, great game. Baltimore's favored by two and a half. Let's start off with Steve. What do you expect in that game? Yeah, you know, uh, with uh, with the Saints and uh, and the Ravens, uh, they are uh, they're a team. Uh, but the, the Saints are a team that uh, they can put up a lot of points, but they have a lot of they have a lot of trouble trying to uh, trying to stop guys from scoring points. I mean, they gave up forty eight points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and that should tell you uh, all you need to know uh, about that New Orleans Saints defense. All right, uh, Brad, as we close it out, uh, what do you say about that game? I, I like the Ravens in this game. I mean, uh, you think you look at the Saints, they play much better in the dome at home versus on the road. Uh, they certainly have a very, very good offense, but their defense is not very, very good. And I think what you see in the Ravens is one of the best defenses in the league. So if they can slow down the Saints offense, uh, I, I think that would make a huge difference. And I think, you know, what Joe Flacco can do in the offense may be good enough to win uh, at home. So I like the Ravens to win in a very good game. What a game we have on, on the Sunday nighter. But uh, uh, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Brad, tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. At the Brad Shepherd on Twitter. Brad at barnburner.ca if you choose to email me. And follow all of my work on the new and greatly improved barnburner.ca website. Live sports ticker, 65 platforms, tons of sports articles from experts and, and people like Steve Carney. Wow, he actually put over Steve Carney. Steve, how much did you give him a, did you give him a coupon for Stacey's Buffet? Yeah, uh, yeah. You can think he put me over, but uh, but it, you you missed uh, you missed the needle 
that that he stuck into that into that uh, into that <laughs> promo there. So uh, I will just say that uh, it's going to be uh, fun doing the rest of the uh, year of the NFL Blitz and uh, just going just a little back and forth. It's going to be so much fun. Oh, Bradley, it's going to be so much fun. I, I can't. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to see Tampa Baker play Carolina again. I can't wait. Uh, maybe Should be guys, fun. Maybe maybe you guys should have a bet on uh, some games here uh, between Tampa Bay and Carolina, which actually happens on Sunday, November fourth, in Carolina. First of all, wanna, yeah, I think want... they, uh, I think they play, uh, they play twice in the final six weeks of the season. I think that's what it, or or like twice in like four weeks or something like that. It's something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like twice that. in four weeks: November fourth in Carolina and December second in Tampa. So. Uh, uh, we'll make a bet there. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll bring Norm on for a Starbucks coupon or something like that. But uh, thanks a lot, guys. This has been another edition of NFL Blitz. Thanks, guys. Thanks.